to Background Centuries. Background Centuries. Uh, that showbiz. Uh, this is Ethan. This is Noah. And actually, today we have um, probably the most exciting thing to happen this entire this entire lifetime that I've been alive. Um, I, we actually have a guest, our first guest. So we've been really excited about this episode for a long time. It's taken us uh, months to track down this guy, expert mm-hmm. in the field of an up-and-coming uh, film tradition that's just springing out of um, Norway's capital of Oslo. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Here on the show, we are so excited to have uh, Jean Topi uh, from Oslo, Norway. Hello. I'm excited to be here. First, first off, I do want to say, because we ran into each other um, when I was studying abroad for my, I think, my, my junior year in college. Yes. Um, the first time I went. Um, and you had a very strong Icelandic accent. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like you've pretty much adopted a, a seemingly flawless Californian accent. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I had to do some research in California, and I just loved the communities, sounds, and mm-hmm. vibes, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to adopt that for myself, um, appropriate it, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just my new thing, I guess. Could you tell me? Um, cause, could you tell me about some of the other just like Californian sounds that you have fallen in love with? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did go to the beach mm-hmm. one time because you know like surfs up or something yeah i've um, um never been yeah yeah seagulls go like uh like a caca or something like birds um, yes, they yes were, it was really interesting actually Co- coca uh, actually yeah really yeah. close oh, really close excuse my accent i'm so sorry yeah um, it's it's fine yeah, it's fine. yeah but yeah that's probably the your most, favorite your my, fa- the most impactful one y- your me. favorite sound is the seagulls saying Coca, as yeah. I've been corrected. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's um, first of all, thank you. This show, um, we we try to accept all uh, criticisms, all corrections, just because you know. Of that's, course, we're, of we're just here to learn. We're just here to learn. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm so always glad you're growing, already, always expanding. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. so glad that you're already um, so willing to take to take correct, correction like that. That's so yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I have some corrections for you if you'd like, but we can talk about that after. Um, um, okay. I mean, I think that's a good segue into our first, our, our first segment. Uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're kicking things off with Breath of Fresh Art. So with Mr. Uh, Lapitier, uh, we really wanted to, to bring uh, here as our first segment, uh, like I said at the beginning, this, this kind of new uh, and up-and-coming uh, uh, art in, in film that, that, yes. was, that was new to us. Um, it is called it is called the the shiktik, uh, branch of of, of filmmaking, and mm-hmm. there's a couple of there's a couple of pillars um, that is consistent I think uh, that I've discovered in this particular type of filmmaking, and you can you can correct me where I'm wrong, but one is the the heavy use of of phallic imagery, um, mm-hmm. paired with Always, always very uh, warm, saturated uh, gradients. And the third, and I always get this one mixed up, I think the third is a, a liberal use of religious iconography as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, And these exactly. sort of all are, are married in 
this new this new art expression. Do you want to speak mm-hmm. a little bit more to that? And mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually did want to mention there's one more part of it that you forgot, and it's um, quite interesting that you called it up and coming um, because a lot of the shots actually are all filmed from like an upward angle. And also the shots are just like coming at you. Like it's very quick movements. They're mm-hmm. very quick zoom ins mm-hmm. and things of that sort. Um, but yeah, it's just very interesting how like these uh, like kind of phallic and like some maybe even gross things mm-hmm. are becoming mm-hmm. a new trend in this type of uh filmmaking um and it just really was interesting to me and uh even in my research in california i was inspired um it hasn't really come to the u.s as much so much Mm -hmm. um but yeah just you can find it anywhere and um i think that's what makes it really beautiful yeah i remember um i had i was at fantastic fest um Mm. and for our listeners who may not know that's a that's a um sort of an uh, indie film festival that tours around the states um but i was at fantastic fest and um i remember i i wasn't actually able to see uh the film that you had worked on i I, i'm forgetting the name it's it's yes 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 sorry i i it's hard it's hard to get those those missing vowels yeah i'm not exactly sure where to place those it's kind of hard to Um, see yeah it's it's fine no i i yeah um but i i i didn't get a chance to see it but i heard that it was drumming up a lot of um a lot of buzz because partially because of the the quick movements and mm-hmm. everything is so so very visceral that it was kind of giving these people like this sort of um nauseating reaction where they would feel almost almost unnaturally compelled to vomit yeah, yeah. that stacked on with like you said the the sort of grotesque imagery that exactly. you're working with exactly. um and um, and do you want do you want to speak? Is that is that what what you were going for with that? Um, oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is the main goal is to induce a bodily reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that does happen, um, it's just awesome to see that because it just shows how impactful it can be. And it's actually called Shiktic Cryptic because along with the very um, apparent things mm-hmm. in the film, there's a lot of cryptic things mm-hmm. in there that you kind of can decode for yourself. Um, so you kind of just have to take it like for what it is because it could be very apparent what I'm showing, but it also could be very cryptic. So, yeah. Yeah. That's very good. That's my favorite kind of art. The one that you you just don't, don't even know what you're going to get. Don't even know what you're Mm going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I want to, um, I want to ask you a quick question about your, your choice of, of actors in the film because because that's what you would call you call them actors even though it's not traditional scenes that we're seeing yeah i suppose yeah actors yeah Uh uh-huh um i'll call them like more of like storytellers or visual artists (laughs) or things like that yeah but that's fine yeah um i i sorry i didn't i don't mean to offend you you seem like you got yeah cold real quick um but uh uh your, your choice of that i thought was very very interesting you had um mostly um old nickelodeon uh, stars. stars, yeah, yeah. Nickelodeon stars, which exactly. I thought, you know, you know, uh, I think I I saw a uh, Drake Bell in there for a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I saw uh, Jamie Lynn Spears. Yes. Um, I and I just like what what sort of inspired you to to choose that sort of nostalgic cast? Yeah, well, I think it's for that exact reason, actually, the nostalgia behind it all, um, and it's kind of people that you wouldn't expect to to be in these kind of 
new age, new type films. Um, but for example, Jamie Lynn Spears, mm -hmm. she hasn't been doing a lot of work recently. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of nice. It was kind of just like a gesture also okay. asking her to be a part. Um, but just having her in there was just a nice touch for that kind of like, whoa, that wow factor, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was probably the main reason. And they're all right actors yeah. also, or uh, storytellers, excuse yeah. me. Um, so I think that was probably the yeah. main reason. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know that you, you said, whoa, that, that um, uh, the, the quote, like the official quote of Fantastic Fest um, surrounding your, your film is is whoa. Like, mm -hmm. like that, that's all really yeah, the, cri right. the critics were able to, to, to formulate mm -hmm. as, far as, a, as far as a review goes. Yes, and I was very happy to see that review. Let's talk a little bit about the the actual experience of of these films for for if you were to as a newcomer sort of show up at, at Fantastic Fest and and were to encounter for the first time the, the uh, tradition of filmmaking sort of what your your experience is going to be I know that there is a, a quickly a growing tradition uh, that when you as you're watching the film for the very first uh, the first instance of vomiting there's always the the sort of congratulatory and celebratory uh hoy hoy they say mm -hmm. when uh when they you first start to get the the ripple effect of of uh, convulsions and and and, and uh, bodily excrement from uh, sort of the the compulsory reaction to this uh, these yes. films it, it's a pretty it's a pretty remarkable thing to be a part of and to witness yeah. um, th from that very first hoy hoy to mm -hmm. the last uh, the last bravo mm -hmm. at the end. I yes. mean, do you want to talk a little bit about how that's developed? How it's not just fr from what I can see, it's not just even about uh, the films themselves as standalone pieces of art, but it's it's a whole experience. the oh, The yes. whole experience of Shiktik is about the film, but also the the audience reaction, the sense of camaraderie around vomiting, and the feeling of of acute nausea. It's yes. all sort of part of the package. Is mm -hmm. am mm -hmm. I am I uh, am I capturing oh, yeah, you, that correctly? Yes, for sure. Yeah, there is nothing more vulnerable than literally like puking out your insides mm -hmm. if somebody sees you do that that's a very bonding moment in that relationship whether you know that person or not so in a shiktik uh environment you want to make sure you're sitting first of all um because that's very important um just having that posture before uh watching this film um you want to because most sure... films like it's different that you sit like mm -hmm. you sit in a different way like you sit yes yeah it's not yeah. it's not like sitting down to watch your mom and dad's favorite movie you yes. know it's, yeah. it's a whole different thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well another thing is that these films all have to be shown outside mm -hmm. or in some sort of open atmosphere because the smell yeah. inside is nauseating which could be good <laughs> but we want all of the puking to be because of the film itself and not because of things going on in the air mm -hmm. not because even of the though puke. the sense of camaraderie it turns into a snake eating its own air. tail situation yes exactly mm -hmm. and we don't want that we want it to be for the film mm -hmm. um but yes actually saying uh like things like you were saying like bravo and saying things like that is actually very encouraged when watching these films um and we want people to be talking so actually when you watch these films there isn't 
that much dialogue happening. Um, it's a lot of noises and um, loud bangs and <laughs> things like that. Um, so you want to be conversing with your neighbors and vomiting with your neighbors if possible. Um, so yeah, I think there's just a great atmosphere. It's a great atmosphere to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think what you're saying was right on the money. Yeah, it's a very, yeah. it's a very uplifting um, atmosphere. And I, I have a question because obviously, yes, exactly. obviously, um, um, you know, you know, you're, you're one of the the spearheads of this this movement and mm-hmm. in art. Um, did you? Did, was it was it your um, inspiration that caused people to come up with the terms hoy hoy and and bravo, or did or was that something that they just kind of started doing? Did did you say this is this is what we should say during this time? Mm-hmm. You know, this is at this moment you should say hoy hoy. This moment you should say bravo. Or or was that something that sort of happened organically without you needing to? Uh, really yeah well actually in one of the first shiktik films ever made those were the only two terms said in the movie mm-hmm. as i said there's not a lot of dialogue mm. um but those were the two terms that were mentioned and that just really catapulted that yeah. kind of dialogue in the audience um so i didn't start that mm-hmm. i wasn't the first one but yeah it's definitely become a trend to do yeah. that oh because so. i can imagine watching this very upsetting um Film so upsetting, and yeah. then be, and then every time, you know, get, getting that little glimpse of humanity of the of the hoy hoy and the, mm-hmm. the bravo, you'd want to like repeat that and, oh, yes. and kind of get that that bit of relief. Yes, in it's there. a stellar experience yeah. to be a part of. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think uh, artists to keep an eye out for uh, some of the, the up and coming artists of the Shiktik movement, ones like uh, Michael Cromwell uh, mm-hmm. is one that comes instantly comes to mind. Uh, as as one part of that part of that movement and, and really setting the pace in my in my opinion of Shiktik. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Another one may be uh, Daniel Weathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really, I think instrumental in pioneering the the audio landscape of a lot of mm-hmm. Shiktik. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. What what about what about you, Jean? Um, some that that you would tell our listeners to sort of keep an eye out for in that. Uh, in that in that vein yeah um well there actually is a woman who is up and coming and is doing amazing work her name is hoy it takes after hoy hoy mm-hmm. um she was just really inspired did so she, she change she name? changed wow her name. she is very dedicated to her craft um she is uh kind of a, a pioneer for a new type of shiktik film actually oh wow where it's just one shot of one single actor or actress they're standing there completely naked and it's almost like a jump scare as you would see in like a horror movie where it just zooms in so quickly and abruptly you don't know what's happening and you don't know which uh body part it will land on um but yeah it's it's very awesome to see so hoy is definitely uh very very uh notable okay I'm, sure. I'm, I'm taking note right now i'm writing down on my in my in my notepad can you can you tell me how to spell that hoy uh just HOA. HOA. With the the two dots. I HOA with the two. Okay, the yes. two dots on top. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, they call that the A's eyes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's quite awesome. Yeah, that's. Thank you so much for 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 talking so so much about that. I I I do have one more question before we kind of launch into our, our next segment here, which I hope you're okay with just jumping on and being a part of. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, my my last question is, how did you start? Like, what was your first? Like, like, what happened in your life that, that you decided, oh, I need to, I need to do this? 
I need yes. to make people vomit for money. Yeah. Well, it actually started with many sexual fantasies. Um, <laughs> I was just inspired by what was going on inside my brain, and I didn't know how to fully express them to a larger audience. Um, so I heard of this new type of filmmaking called Chick Dick uh, in Oslo. So I decided to travel there when I was 16 years old, um, and I dropped out of high school. Mm -hmm. um, didn't need it. It didn't <laughs> seem like. Uh, yeah. I was just so inspired, and nothing could stand in my way. Yeah. So I went and I had a mentor um, and he just did great things to me and um, he really inspired me and just really pioneered my way and I am endlessly thankful to him. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think that is about how I started. That, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, so, okay, cool. So you're, are you a pervert? Excuse me. <laughs> so our next segment is, is is our fan favorite segment. I don't know if you've if you've listened to the show before, but we have this segment called Pinpoint, and this is sort of where we where we um, we break down the barrier between the present and history, mm. um, and we and we are we allow ourselves to journey deeper into some of these maybe lesser known places. Mm. And so I'm gonna pull up this random cities generator. And we're gonna just figure out what we're gonna be talking about. Oh. Ethan, Noah, do you remember? Do you remember three summers ago? Where were we? We'll say it at the same time. Three, three, two, two, one, one. Norfolk, Amsterdam. Virginia. Oh, that's right. That was Norfolk. Yeah. Three summers ago. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Norfolk. it's all coming. It's all coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you want? Okay. You want to give like a like a little bit of a baseline for what the people over in Norfolk were about, kind of in the early. I th I'd say their their history started to pick up in around the early early 1900s. I would say mm. that that's when they started to to really branch branch out on their own. Yeah, where to start? Uh, I think I think that we can't we can't talk about Norfolk without discussing uh, the modern innovation of the lead pencil and its shift to graphite. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, which may seem to our listeners as like an incidental part of history, uh, but really shaped and defined what Norfolk is today, actually. Uh, so just for some backdrop, uh, humans have been using uh, lead to, to sketch and to write for uh, centuries now. However, with the, uh, the onset of, uh, or I guess knowledge, I guess I should say, of lead poisoning, there were, you know, discussions to be had about alternatives for uh, for the writing utensil known as the pencil. Mm. And Norfolk is known, and has been known for many years, as uh, the place of, uh, of ingenuity. Mm -hmm. uh, so many great minds have come out of Norfolk. Uh, James Dean. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Um, uh, Larry King. Rick Moranis. Uh, Rick Moranis, Kanye West. That's why I mean, these people are called Norfolk. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. They're called yeah. They're called Norfolk. That, that, that's sort of the the inside inside Virginia sort of lingo is like when you when you know somebody's from the specific place in Norfolk, mm. you can say like, oh, they're no, they're Norfolk, they're Norfolk, they're Norfolk. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're Norfolk. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll probably use that now. Yeah, you yeah. can use that, and you can sound cool with your friends. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool little party trick. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And so with say, hey guys, gather around, watch this. Hey guys, hey come in, hey put, hey put the Cheetos down, come here. Yeah, they're sure to come. Come here for that. Yeah, come here, Derek, come here. put the Cheetos down. Derek, for the love of God, put the Cheetos down. Let other people have them. Come in here. Look at this mm. cool trick, Norfolk. And then they would all cheer and have a good time and then continue on with the party. Yeah. Yeah. So there would probably it. be some sexual favors exchanged, but mm-hmm. yeah. but but only consensually and if and if, you know, if if you're into that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh Norfolk. Oh, mm-hmm. yes, uh pencils. Pencils, pencils. So with uh, with such the conglomerate uh, of sharp minds. Mm-hmm. Uh what happened is what the president the <laughs> the president of the United States at the time uh, sent out a petition to to artists and engineers and designers across the country to solve this uh, this lead problem mm-hmm. in, in pencils uh, that had been particularly acute within the adolescent age range because of of, of school children and uh, such a such a a close and concentrated use of pencils within that age range. Yeah, because and, and this was also during the rise of the 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 pencil eaters. That movement mm-hmm. of it was a sort of offshoot of of a very 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 early hippie movement, um, where where people decided like like what what made them different was that they ate pencils, and so mm-hmm. like that was also contributing to the to the talk and the around that. Yeah, and, and so what's interesting about that is. What initially started as uh, a call for for artists and engineers quickly transitioned into a call for, of all things, cultural anthropologists. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and here's why. What they found was in order to sort of get a leg up or or, or to get get ahead of of these pencil eaters was to create the kind of narrative that would lure them out of their their obsession with lead's uh, tonic properties mm-hmm. and into a, a new a new essence, a new material. And so, what ended up happening is they realized, oh, this isn't about creating bigger, better pencils. It's about creating bigger, better narratives about the the vitaminic and 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 nutritional value of what they eventually decided on would be uh, graphite. Graphite. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you as a storyteller, um, Jean, um, you would understand the the importance and and the the power that um, storytellers have yes. in changing uh, cultural narratives. Mm-hmm. And yes. so, um, you know, it, it, if you were if you were back then, would would you would you try to? Do you think that that would be something that that you felt called to to, to make a uh, sort of uh, lead based smear campaign film? Yeah, uh, for sure. I actually, as we were talking about this, I had an, a thought of a new film, possibly, oh. um, or inspiration, I guess you could say, where pencils are just shoved mm. um, into things, oh. whatever that may be. Um, so I would. If I'm having that inspiration right now, I would assume back then you I would, would have also similar. would have tried my best. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that that's that's a very interesting, uh, again, very visceral vernacular that you're using. The 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 the, the, the 
pos- uh, pencils being shoved is a very like mm-hmm. you said that and I almost I almost like it made went. you uncomfortable yeah, yeah it made me really uncomfortable yeah. like That's I like point. like when you said it I really wish that you didn't say it mm. I w- really wish that I could forget that you said that That's awesome I'm it's so that glad. it's that shiktic so uh, sensibility coming through yeah, it's, it's yes, that flavor exactly. it's that flavor we love it I'm so glad to hear and so, and that's interesting because then rather than diverting the attention, it's actually just drawing your attention to how visceral and, and painful lead and could be. Yeah. And damaging yes. lead could be. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and if, there was, if there was that approach... It's lost to history now. I mean, we, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. what survived, and as the saying goes, you know, the, the victors determine history. I mean, what we know now is, uh, all we know of now is, is really the, uh, the victory of graphite yeah. and its, mm-hmm. its proponents. Uh, wow. Noah, you, you spent quite a bit of time uh, studying particularly the, the life and influence of um, Elizabeth Strauss, Mm-hmm. who yeah. I would say, uh, and I think many other scholars would agree, that she was, in many senses, the, the spearhead of, of graphite superiority. Yeah. And uh, I, I think really carved out a lot of what, what would become leading language yeah. uh, that, that propelled graphite above and beyond lead and other contenders. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, doing research on on Elizabeth has, was so, so interesting because he, we ha- here we have this scientist who has has discovered so many things, um, and her biggest triumph was something that had very little to do with actual uh, hard science, because um, I don't know if you guys are aware, but the rise of graphite is due mainly to the popularization of the graphite man. Um, mm. His name is Graph the Graphite Man. And um, <laughs> for, for a long time, the public was, um, I guess you could say, duped into, into um, this, this idea that there was this anthropomorphized hunk of, of graphite. Um, late, later, we, we you know it was, it was uncovered that it was it was just a man in a graphite suit, mm-hmm. um, uh, and we found out because you know the it, he, somebody came into the hospital with just every bone broken, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Well, what happened?" And it turns out it was this man who was forced to wear this suit f- that was just made com- entirely of graphite, and mm-hmm. just the weight of that um, was too much for his dumb old bones, and so I they bet. all they all broke. Um, well, it's funny too how he. Do you want to tell the story about, like the 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 circumstances in which it happened? Yeah, of course I'll tell you. I'll tell you how it happened. How we how we, how we broke all those bones. See, he broke all those bones, and and it is it is quite embarrassing. Um, because uh, you know he he was in his very vulnerable place, and that place was the toilet. Um, mm. because you know you may think. Oh, going to the toilet, going to the bathroom, very safe activity. Not if you're wearing a, a suit made entirely of graphite. Mm. Um, because what happened was, is you know, he was just getting ready to do his business, and then he accidentally dropped something out of his pocket. 
no. Which happens to the best of us. We've all done it. Thankfully, mm-hmm. it did not land in the toilet, which has happened to me many a time. What a day ruiner that is. Mm. But he goes down to reach for the thing and um, just loses balance completely because of such the heavy helmet made of completely of graphite and mm. everything. And he was legally not allowed to take it off ever. And wow. so he, his back kind of just gave out. He fell forward, head straight in the toilet, mm. head straight in the toilet, and then... Right um, in the dumper. Right in the dumper. And, and you know, trying to get out, he, he lifted his hand up, started flushing, and then... So he, he gave himself a swirly, pretty much, all, yeah. all while all of his bones are breaking one by one by one by one by one very painfully in a very painful way. And so that's sort of the... Um, the sad truth behind behind sort of a maybe maybe a more endearing story, but but it's traumatizing. Yeah, traumatizing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he he it, it decli- has declined my um, my offer to interview him time and time again. Um, well, I mean, he's pretty old by now. You know, yeah, so he's, he's, he's dead. He's dead. Um, which which will happen. Um, but um, anyway, so. Elizabeth decided to, to, to run this campaign and say like look at how awesome this graphite man is um, everybody should put should should put him in your pencil mm-hmm. put a little bit of him in your pencil and he was so fun with the kids and the teens as a way to honor him as a way to honor him um, yes. yeah and th- and this was actually pre pre breaking because um, uh, he was uh, a war hero before that wow. you know or, or that that was the sort of uh, um, backstory that they had given him it was mm-hmm. this this graphite war hero that sort of rose out of the mountain um, and then so they were like yeah we'll put him in our pencil to use him to write and the teens loved it um, they um, that, so they all did that and that's how lead was kind of pushed out because lead was kind of you had the, 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 the lead camp of, 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 sort of mainly older people saying you know oh no this is how we've always done it mm-hmm. and so um Elizabeth was very smart in that she knew how to weaponize the youth against wow. against old people. Yeah, and so she was like, "Okay, here, look, graphite's cool. Go kill your parents." Yeah, and there's no better way to do that than by making a person a heartthrob. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And yeah. let me be. Let me tell you guys right now, listeners at home. He was so sexy. Oh man, he was so sexy. I wish. I yeah, wish so hot. Yeah. He well, was, and a fun little antidote. Uh, when he, uh, when, when Graphite Man sort of came came into into prominence among among the teens, the the whole like image of sitting backward on the chair, you know, like that's so like iconic teen, right? We mm-hmm. all know it, and mm-hmm. it just instantly gives you an in with the teens. Yeah, actually happened because that was the only way he could sit in chairs in his mm-hmm. suit. Wow. Yeah, and so it started as a necessity. And became just like the the hit thing among teens, where they're like, "Yeah, that's amazing." I want to be like, I want to be like Graphite Man, and mm-hmm. Graphite Man sits backward in chairs. Mm-hmm. And wow. uh, so yeah. it's a funny little. I mean, we don't even think twice about it now. It's just part of our. Yeah, like like if you want to be cool, what do you do? You sit back in chairs. You sit. There's you nothing s- sexier than that. There isn't. There yeah. isn't. And I've and I've looked and I've tried and I've and I've run the numbers and it's just that it, it comes back it comes back negative. Mm. Every single time, um, and and this also spawned the very popular trope of fast food chains creating characters based around their products, thinking that it would do the same sort of thing. Not, and it was never quite as effective as mm. as with Graphite Man because yeah. um, obviously you just can't you can't you can't beat the original. Yeah, 
um, and also due to the, the the companies needing to maintain a certain level of uh, puritanical um, uh, you know standards, they couldn't make their mascots Ronald McDonald Grimace. They couldn't make those sexy. Yeah. Um, despite my countless letters asking for a sexy Grimace, mm-hmm. because I that's that's what. I, that's what I w- want. There is the Hamburglar. The Hamburglar so. is is very. It was attractive. a good attempt. It's very yes. attractive, and it's definitely a good step forward. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, two steps forward, one step back. You know, because because yeah. for every Hamburglar, you have the Fry Guys, and you're like, uh, well, how how does that work? Where yeah. is that? What's that going? Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think that you know, unfortunately, there's there's obviously. The, the dark side to this transition, which we already touched on a little bit, one with just Graphite Man uh, becoming terribly injured during this campaign, uh, Jones, what was his name, uh, never really fully recovered, and more and more has come out over the years about how uh, really abused that campaign was um, and really taking advantage of, uh, of, of this sort of working class man to, yeah. to 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 seek their ends, and so there is sort of the, this, this dark element in the history of the mm-hmm. the rise of graphite that wow. uh, I think in her later years, Elizabeth Strauss w- came to to reckon with and, and really really spoke out against her past yeah. justice for Jones justice I for Jones call that. justice yeah. for Jones did you did you it was it was really big in the in the nineties were you mm-hmm. were were you um, a part of that movement at all? No, sadly. Like, if I was, I would have. Because you were you were part. you were overseas at that point, right? Yes. Ugh, yeah. See that that's you're you're very far out of Norfolk. Remember, we're uh, all talking about Norfolk. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and another one one other bit of just dark history around this is is to save money. Actually, they um, made the suit out of lead because it was so much cheaper than graphite at the time, and so for the, wow. such a large quantity, which. Also ended up giving Jones this poison in mm-hmm. his in his veins, and so he had to, he had to struggle with that for the rest of his life too. Yeah, and so that um, that's a huge black spot on Graphite's history mm-hmm. and Norfolk's history, if we're being honest. But wow, yeah, Jean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I I hear rumors that there is actually a Justice for Jones adaptation. Or, or inspi- Justice for Jones inspired film, uh, brewing in the Shiktik, uh world is that is that true? Um, there are definitely rumors of it. I have not heard any actual confirmation of its existence yet. Um, I do hope with all that's within me that I could be a part of that. Now that I know more mm-hmm. of the history behind this Graphite Man and mm-hmm. all of this, I would love to be a part of that. Um, so I will need to find the person that's spearheading that. But yeah, yeah, well. yeah. And and I, you know, um, I'm obviously we're here to be consultants in that project. If yes. if Thank need you. be, Thank you. Um, we we've we have um, consulted on on many uh, large motion pictures. We were oh, oh yeah. Um, who framed Roger Rabbit? That was pretty much all us. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Saving Private uh, Ryan. We were Saving the Private the Ryan. resident historians for that one. Yeah, okay. that was us. Yeah. Um, Those aren't uh, my personal favorites but i'm yeah. sure they were and, and i'm it, sure they were adequate yeah yes. and it's and it's not and it has it's a very different realm of filmmaking mm-hmm. than, than what you're doing um you're yes. doing that very raw stuff yeah um upsetting upsetting yes. and mm-hmm. just like you know fart humor mm. 
Um, well, that, that's a little. I don't. I don't like that. So. Sorry, I no, but I'm just. That's I, okay. I, you don't understand, so I I don't expect you to understand. Is what I, I should say. I yeah. I sorry. I did not mean. I didn't mean to say humor. I meant to just say. I meant. I meant to use. I meant to use like that fart, you know. Okay. Culture. Okay. Yeah, fart culture really is uh, integral. Well, I mean, I think that we're maybe we're sliding back into our shiktic uh, yeah. conversation here, but it's just um, so interesting. It is interesting, and and honestly, I, I mean. I had to bring it up just because it is so integrally tied into this graphite discussion, mm. uh, because it, it there's, I see a lot of I see a lot of uh, interconnected pieces there. Um, one with it being represented in the film community, which I think is long overdue. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, just for really shedding light on Norfolk's history and, uh, and not even not so much to press the matter because, like we've said, Elizabeth Strauss was very uh, forthcoming in her mm-hmm. involvement. Mm-hmm. And and even her dealings with with certain uh, crime syndicates in, in in pushing graphite, as with most thi- most things, there's just a lot of big money behind it, mm-hmm. and uh, that, as we all know, leads to a lot of a lot of corruption, a lot of abuse, and, and unfortunately, we, we see that tragically in the life of in the life of Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, really, I mean such a such a rich uh, rich history there mm-hmm. and i would say that it's informed a lot of the the cultural sensibilities and aesthetics of norfolk now mm-hmm. in, in fairly subtle ways ways that wouldn't instantly draw your mind to graphite yeah mm-hmm. but uh they're there nonetheless uh even mm-hmm. in the way that they um they keep time and an interesting little test of this if you're ever in norfolk norfolk uh pick up like a one of those one of those calendars that you get like in uh in gift shops where it's mm-hmm. you know 12 pictures for every month mm-hmm. of of scenery and icons from that from that city pick up one of those and you'll notice actually at major holidays marked uh you know ramadan christmas uh, thanksgiving all those uh to this day all of those are hand penciled in with graphite wow. pencils, mm. which is so expensive. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a Norfolk calendar that's not under uh, like four ninety nine, four hundred ninety nine dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it's so expensive just because it's so uh, time consuming and laborious to literally pencil yeah. in each one. Mm-hmm. Uh, attention to detail. Oh yeah, it's. Amazing. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, the calligraphy is just stunning and unique mm. to each one. I mean, uh, I, I know I am friends with one collector in particular who collects strictly Norfolk calendars and even calendars within the same year can have wide ranging uh, price differences in the collector community just because of uh, the, the calligraphy between each. I mean, mm-hmm. it's never the same artist. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. It really is such a tremendous because piece after of you write art. after you after you do the the fonts for a, a a candle they I mean like a calendar they have to kill you. Wow, that, that's why it's never the same artist twice. Wow, and that's just that, but that's art, you know. Dedica- you would understand dedication, yes. Yeah, you would understand that. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that they're doing that. That's yeah. good. Yeah, um, and and that kind of brings us to the end of our our pinpoint segment and and kind of the end of our show. Um, we're we're here at the end of it, and I and I kind of want to just open the space up because I know um, Jean, you came out 
recently with with a book mm. um, that I thought was very fascinating. It was a 300-page book, but most of those pages, I would say, are blank. And you would be exactly very, correct. Very powerful stuff. Yes. I totally got what you were going for with mm-hmm. that. But you do have, you know, there there are some words in there that you, that you had written. And I, and I was wondering if you would uh, read out um, something that you wrote. Uh, just kind of give some advice maybe. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 yeah, I, I have a copy of your book right here if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me just turn. Uh, well, actually, page one, mm-hmm. it just says hoy um, mm-hmm. in honor of hoy hoy. Yeah. Um, and as you flip through, there's about, uh, 289 page gap. Let me just get to that page. Mm -hmm. Um, bravo, bravo. That's all. It's, it's quite awesome to me. I am crying. You can't, you can't see it. You can't hear this probably through my voice right now because I'm such a, such a radio professional, but I am. Yeah. I just, I just really wanted to honor Mm -hmm. the roots of, um, the movement of the movement, roots of the movement. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and, and, and gracing our ears and our listeners ears with your, with your good words and good knowledge. Um, and you can pick up Jean's book actually, uh, on Amazon Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, uh, direct actually from your, from your website. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's, it's still available, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It is. And I heard okay. that you can also find it in anywhere. Like if you look somewhere. If you look somewhere. I believe Norfolk may actually have a few. Okay. If we have any of those folk yeah. listening. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah. 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 Pick it so up much. in your local bookstore, pick it up on Amazon, pick it up on uh Jean Petit at uh hoihoi.org. Exactly, uh, yes. And yeah, thanks again, Jean, so much for joining us. It was an honor. We were so uh, just uh, ecstatic to, to get you on the show. We had been we've been looking forward to this for a long time. Well, of course, of course. And if I'll say anything, I'll say bravo. Oh, wow! There it that is. That means a lot. That means a lot. Ethan, you want to take us home? Everyone, thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoy Background Centuries, tell your friends about it and leave us a review on uh, on iTunes. And please. Please don't forget to brush your teeth. Mm, This has been Background Centuries. With your background boys. Noah. And Ethan. Always more to learn. Always less to say. Keep Keep it it skippy, skippy, St. Louis. Three, three, two, two, one. one.